Remember when he trained us in on the uh, the agitator on oh, the yeah. ball washing machine? Yeah. You and I were 16. We don't know what. <laughs> what. He's like, this thing doesn't vibrate enough to give a girl a thrill. <laughs> I didn't know what he meant. <laughs> See, I can put the noise. <laughs> oh. Right? That was his How does he even know? <laughs> <laughs> he walk in on his mother. Or? He was a weird duck. <laughs> yeah, he was a weird. He was duck. definitely a few clubs shy of a full set. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Sweet Shots podcast. Lucas Johnson alongside Mark Johnson. Chuck Johnson ran away for a little bit of warm weather this last week. I think he uh, found the perfect time to escape. So he's he's out of the office. But in his stead, legendary area golf professional, Matt Cook. Thanks for coming in today. Head pro at Rose Creek, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I, I imagine most of your viewers, when they came on, right away went, Oh, what happened to Chuck? He got short. He got way uglier. <laughs> what in the world? Well, he was finally he able to car accident? facial hair too. You know, <laughs> I love that uh, Lucas interview with the question mark. Rose Creek, right? Sorry. Are you still yeah, there? Yeah. It's been a long winter. Are you still? I'm like, what have you been hearing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome. I just talked to my boss a short time ago. <laughs> welcome, Matt. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here yeah. in the St. Andrew's room of all places. I yes. was like, wow. This is it right here. This is where the magic happens. Not this many is... people have been here, I understand. It's... We we solve no. a lot of world problems in this area. I bet you do. And uh, it's a very exclusive bunch that get, can get in here. So Yeah, guest, uh, guests here have gone on to uh, make cuts at PGA tour events, win tour events, win tour events, make 1.4 million at the players. So who knows what's in store for you coming up? Well, I know summer. one guy's going to get smarter. Two guys are going to get dumber <laughs> by me being on the day. So <laughs> no, we appreciate you coming on. It was kind of a, a last minute deal. You know, we were talking last night, you had a good group of guys from Rose Creek out last night doing a little four man scramble out here, which went really well from what i hear it was a beautiful night for you guys um yes you guys knocked it out of the park as far as for weather i mean it was terrific and the guys really did have a fun time it was so cool i mean because most of these guys i haven't seen since october and uh to see everybody out once again with their golf clubs and you can just kind of tell there's some pent-up demand to get out and play some golf and so hopefully getting them out last night the guys were like hey we got to get over sweet shots a little bit more and (laughs) work on some of these uh Swings because there was a few, uh, there was was a few winter. You got to knock the rust off a little bit. Yes, exactly. But you talk about, you know, getting the itch. I I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to go. I mean, this, this snow is kicking my butt right now. It's like, I I need to get on some grass, get on some (laughs) like a golf course, play some golf. It's going to be a little bit. It's going to be, it's going to be a little bit. We can just get the weather to mellow out just even a little bit. But it can turn. It can turn. Yes. In a, in a, in a hurry, it can turn. But, you know, last night, actually, when I went to leave my, truck said zero i didn't realize it was a still night it was it, so no wind it made a big difference i don't know what it was when we were playing it, it had have been around 10 maybe yeah i think when i when was, i left which was before you it was 12 degrees so you know when there's no wind it's it's playable yeah. uh first first floor here we had the heaters going concrete's not heated so their feet might have got a little cold but uh if you're making birdies that that doesn't seem to bother you too much yeah, so, I didn't so. see anybody out there that was complaining as far as uh, the weather. It was they were having a good, good time. And it's good. Off, so. so this, I'm sitting between. I mean, you guys like grew up with each other, right? You guys, I mean, you pick them up for golf tournaments, Matt, and you, I don't know, you work together too, right? 
at many places or I know I know we're old enough that we probably can't remember half the things we did (laughs) but yeah I mean this is this is awesome to have Matt on we we were hired the same day in the golf industry by Gar Anderson Gar was the retired fire chief for the city of Moorhead and and was managing the nine hole course at that time Village Green correct what year is that like what year was that Matt do you remember when Gar started well, no I think when you course, and I were hired well I think it was like 85 yeah, it would have been 85 because we yeah. turned 16 right 85 right yep and your dad being a firefighter and garb you know, like you said former fire chief as well and so you know there was kind of the association there and then Gar lived right across the street from me in South Moorhead and so he was our neighbor and so that was kind of also as far as my in there and uh so that was yeah that was the best thing in the world uh, you know it's like kid get a chance to work in a candy shop it's like i get to work at the golf course something i really enjoy doing so so you said so it was a nine hole track village green at that time it and that was the back nine what is currently the back nine right correct Correct. currently back nine so my question then is i don't know if you guys have a defense for this but there are there are a handful of trees on the right side of hole number 10 which is the old number one correct that i hear were planted by a couple uh, at that time probably high schoolers. Do you remember doing that? They're a little little close to that fairway. Did we plant trees? We did. I don't remember. That's been a while ago. <laughs> yeah, you we know, we planted trees for I think uh, John Heimsness was the superintendent. Okay. And at the time, those trees we planted, I don't know. They didn't. They were small, so it didn't seem like it was a big deal. But they're really close to the fairway. Cookie. They are. They're yeah. like two paces off the fairway, and it almost turns it into a little dog leg. Yeah, we were way ahead of the game, you know, as far as trying to eliminate this distance issue. As far as you know, we just, just, we just it narrowed it on up. <laughs> That's a fact. I don't think you and I should take any claim to where those trees are placed. We did plant them, but we didn't mark the location. Correct. Right? Okay, yeah. so you didn't you didn't mark it. You planted them. All right. Well, that's but, fair. But we as, did plant. as someone that did that does play village green quite often. Those trees, those be a little nuisance. You know, that golf course was so different back when your dad and I started playing out there. Of course, when they first built that, uh, for one, there was no houses out there except for your parents' house and a couple others that were probably even off the golf course. And, you know, it was all probably either wheat fields or whatever the rotation might have been that particular year. Um, And which I thought really made it cool looking, you know. And I think um, I'm not going to dog as far as the current layout i just really enjoyed the whole quality of the original nine holes at that time Mm -hmm. which is now the back nine and so when i've been on out there it's like oh it's just not quite the same it Uh, is i mean playing with playing with mark over the years and and getting to kind of get glimpses as to where things were at you know like hole 12 currently now there's houses there they shorten that up to a drivable par four with a bunch of water but it used to be the dog leg left right where Basically, Correct. you're hitting over the houses. Yeah. I think Dean Doden may have driven the green once with the south wind. But we'd hit it right over the field. He would. Yeah. He'd hit it right over the field. And How- that seemed like that was a huge, huge tee shot back then when you're playing persimmon headed drivers and marshmallows for golf balls. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which the change now when it when it happened is like, oh, that's a bummer. But 12 is actually, it's a good, good short hole. I really like that hole. I mean, it's very risk reward and, um, I mean, most of the time, I'm not necessarily playing a ton of competition there now, so I'm hitting driver anyway. But come in competition-wise, it's a great, great risk-reward. I mean, you yep. get rewarded for a great drive getting up next to the green. 
if you pull one or push one even a little bit, now you're busy. Yeah. Now you're busy. It's a great golf. In game. 13, they've had to shorten because they make the green on, on 12, but 13 was a good par four back in the day. And now it's just a shorter version of what it was. But right. you and I, we ran around that course. We made a lot of laps. For sure. <laughs> you were, was a lot of fun. You were ahead of your time, Matt. I, on 16, the par five, which was seven back in the day, we played from the, the, uh, the shelter, storm shelter, Right. You said, let's play this course from as long as, as if we were needed to play it any longer than we were, you know, it was, we played from back there. I don't know if do we, do we, we probably got home in three shots, but I don't know. I was hitting probably three wood on my third shot from the regular tees back then. So I had <laughs> another hundred yards. It was no, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's the cool thing about back then is just having that uh, creativity, having some fun with it and going out there and um, that's really what it's all about. Yeah. So Matt and I picked the range. That was our first job. We got to pick the range. We hopped into in a Ford tractor, if I remember correctly. And the goal was to not get the picker stuck in the fence, the, the chicken wire. Cause you had a problem if you, you got too close to that chicken wire. Yeah. You're going to have issues. <laughs> and we did from time to time. Oh. So that was learning curve. And then, uh, we, we didn't know the rules of the road as far as you know picking the picking the the range was right be, between number one and number nine mm-hmm. and so it was the slice for the, your common golfer so there was a lot of golf balls regular golf balls that end up in the range and you and i at the end of the night what would we do matt do you remember what we oh, did definitely we'd end up having the ball draft <laughs> <laughs> this is where you'd get all those golf balls that the guys had sliced off of one or number nine and they'd be out there and uh, we'd put them in order yep by quality right right so you maybe if, if we were fortunate enough to find a titleist balada yep that was going to be potential number one draft pick pick number one there <laughs> all the way down to whatever that last ball was so we probably did this for I don't know, a month. Right. Off and on. Right. Doing the ball draft. And Gar, one day, he says in the shop, how come I'm not getting any any golf balls? Because he would take those balls and then sell them in the golf shop. <laughs> and you and I look at each other. Do we come clean? And I think we did. Oh, well, we've been, we've been keeping them. Well, I think just better players were playing during that period of time. <laughs> no one was losing it. Slicing it. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been our first defense. But uh, then eventually, I think we stopped doing the ball draft. Yeah, for the most part. I like that. That's that's very savvy of you guys. I mean, you pad the pockets a little bit with some. I mean, you had to be saving some money back then too. That's, oh, that's yeah. probably when we had to start swimming the ponds. <laughs> well, that's my. That's where I'm going to next. So Matt got this idea late at night. We're going to launch from our house. We're not going to jail for this, are we? I don't. Know. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go in the in the in the. I don't even know if it's a creek. It's not a creek. The I don't know if the ball. The one on 16 16. Now? Yeah. It really smelled bad. bad really bad. And, and you had more courage than I did. You went down into that muck a lot deeper than I dared to. Well, you remember like, you know, it's not that those areas are so deep. It's just they are so full of whatever, sludge or sludge. whatever. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you step on in there and you're up to about maybe close to your knee, maybe yeah. in the areas into that. You're kind of like, oh, my gosh. Am I gonna get out of here? <laughs> this was all for golf balls. Yeah, LJ. Times just, were tough. Yeah. Not just when sounds golf balls, like, like club specials, <laughs> <laughs> crow flights. <so. laughs> yeah, times were tough, and, and so we would Matt and I would sneak on in the spring too, and, and hit, about this time of year, if we could find a patch of green grass, we'd go out there and hit balls, and we were, we did this specifically for a trip 
with our dads right. to Missouri. Right. And we're out there practicing and he brings his shag bag and I bring my shag bag of balls out there and we're looking, I'm looking at the golf balls. He's just in his shag bag. And my comment was, geez, Matt, these balls in your shag bag are nicer than balls that I play in competition. <laughs> that line gets thrown off every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> He's hitting nice titles. He wanted, it. he wanted it more. I don't know. I he wanted I had, it. More. I had another pond I didn't tell you about. <laughs> 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 Something like that. You were moonlighting at the Edgewood driving range, picking up other balls. You know, also, I remember that was within the years that we end up, I think we successfully may have played golf all 12 months. We did. That's a fact. Wow. Once was probably on Cormorant or something like that. And actually, they had a, didn't we play on ice one time, I thought, as one of the months? Oh, I don't remember that. I, I mean, I remember playing Village Green where they had the snow fence up. Right. And, and if they covered the greens, I think they covered the greens. I mean, we'd hit our shot into there. We obviously wouldn't play, but we, it was open. There was no, there was winters where there was very little to no snow where we yeah, kind of played all, all the time. Now your, your brother-in-law, Rick Downers, superintendent there. Correct. He does a fantastic, we're on the village green subject right now. And you're yeah. a Rose Creek guy, but um, <laughs> just to kind of put, um, we we played so often at Village Green. You start to you know you really learn a golf course growing up. It seems like he's got those greens so fast that the slopes have changed on that original nine. Do you think that? Or I, I feel like there's like a lot more settlement of areas out there because like you know from back to front, especially when you look at the original nine holes. Yeah, I mean that's why I tell people a lot. Like they're, I hear that so often. It's like man, the greens are so fast at Village mm. Green, and I don't get a chance to get over that often anymore. But um, I know that I'm like, well, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of slope also. I mean, you get above the hole there and it yeah. is going to be almost terrifying a lot of it. Um, and so, yeah, he's done a really good job and of, uh, of keeping that, I think pace and I think the greens have always been really yeah. good over there. Yeah. I think they're the fastest coming out of winter, just generally. I think, it, I think that's some of the best coming out of winter in, in, in the area. And, um, yeah, to your point, when you get above the hole and Mark, to your point too, especially on that back nine, the original line. I mean, that's scary. 15 jumps to mind. I yeah, mean, you just, I mean, yeah, you shudder when you hear it. Um, but it's its a great golf course, but not to pivot too sharply. So you get into the golf business right before turning 16, um, and then you kind of work your way through, Matt, getting, I mean, did you always know you were going to be a PGA pro, or was it kind of just like, I had so much fun, here's what I'm going to do? Or, no, I was going to actually work in a jail. <laughs> That's right. You know, Mike Stoltman, who was a neighbor yeah. of your parents oh, yeah. at the time, uh, I don't know how he had gotten me interested as far as in criminal justice. And so my major actually coming out of college was criminal justice. Well, and I was actually looking at... It's mine too. Was it really? Yeah. I, I was really looking at kind of maybe more in corrections as far as like probation. Sure. And so I did an internship over the Department of Corrections at the time. I'd worked at the West Central Detention Center, I think for a couple of years, maybe. I can't remember exactly. Um, and that's where the juvenile probation was. And... Uh, you know, after working there for a while, it just didn't look like there was a lot of positive room <laughs> that I had. I'm like, you know, there's got to be something else that's going to inspire me a little more. And, you know, Gar then had, I think, retired uh, and then Russ had taken on over. Okay. And so, and so both of us were working for Russ at that time. And I think um, both of us probably just kind of thought, boy, you know, this is a lot of fun and I love being around golf and I like kind of everything about golf. And so... Um, I talked to Russ one time. This is after, I think, maybe about the time you'd left for probably 
Fargo. Yep. I went to work at Fargo. Yep. And Russ had kind of said, hey, well, would you like to pursue this? You know, and I don't think they'd had a, you know, they, at that point they hadn't had a true assistant at Village Green. Um, and so that kind of opened the door for me at least to kind of get my foot in. And I had worked like, um, you know, both Mark and I had been on the range and then we kind of quickly moved into the golf shop. And then I took actually a couple of years and went and worked golf maintenance. Um, and I think more so there, I just thought, well, maybe I can get more hours. I can be done really early in the day. Right. And that looked like it was going to be very advantageous because I can play golf, screw around, do whatever. And really, I realized that, you know, being out in the sun for nine hours, last thing you want to do is <laughs> go, go be out in the sun there. longer. So it's like, that didn't work out very well. But I, uh, I enjoyed doing that because I think I learned a lot of things and appreciate some of the things that our superintendents go through. Uh, sure. Still don't always agree with them, but So that's it. crazy. I yeah. was, as the same deal, I got to college. And I kind of always wanted to be a golf pro and then growing up being around a golf pro, it was kind of, okay, well, it, if you like golf, what was your deal? If you like golf, don't get into the golf business. <laughs> no, if you like to play. If you like to play golf, don't get into the golf business because there's just Correct. not a ton of opportunity. So then I took uh, one year I was in business administration, took my first econ class and said, that's not for me. <laughs> and I went through my Netflix history and I had a lot of like murder mystery versus you know and crime documents documentary whatever they're called and uh i was like well, i'm gonna give criminal justice a try finish that out and then this opportunity happened that's why i'm here so that's interesting i did not know you were a criminal justice major yes so that's really cool yep um, so how about um pivoting to rose creek what year did you start at rose creek 2005 so i you know oh. i when I left Village Green, I'd went and worked three years at Forest Hills Golf Course in Detroit Lakes. Oh, that's right. Yes. And then ended up going to Edgewood and worked under McCullough for a couple of years. And McCullough during that time had kind of tipped me off saying, listen, uh, we're, we're, look like we're going to go ahead and build a golf course in Southwest Fargo. And that was going to be Osgood Golf Course. And so he said, you know, if that's something that, you know, you may be looking to pursue, because I had applied at some other places. I'd had some good fortune and just turned down some jobs because it wasn't going to end up working for me as far as those locations. And so when this kind of came up, I'm like, wow, I get to kind of stay in the Fargo-Moorhead area. It's a new development. This could be kind of cool. And so I kind of hung around and sure enough, it came on up. And so I was actually hired then in 2000, it was going to be 2005. So I started January 1st of 2005 as the first golf professional at Osgood Golf Course. Wow. So that's a little trivia for anybody that's out there. <laughs> Did yeah, not know that. Yeah. I also have the shortest tenure as golf professional <laughs> at Osgood Golf Course because <laughs> it was roughly, I think, some point in February that they received a call from Dave Altpeter. And Dave was the golf professional and oversee both Rose Creek and Prairiewood Golf Course. And he had elected to take a position down in Florida. And so he was not going to return. So now they're in a little bit of a jam because Osgood was not going to open until July of that year because they're still just finishing the grow in. And so they had some time, but Rose Creek, things are fast and coming. Right. And so they're like, boy, you know, do we go out and open that position and try to find a golf professional in that short period of time? Usually at that window as far as who parks is probably a good five to six weeks deal. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, then, um, yeah, so I was quickly kind of appointed, I guess, basically the, the professional over at Rose Creek and then also took over Prairiewood. And, uh, so yeah, I think that's whatever, how many years is that? It's a lot, 18, 17, 18 years, something like that. Oh, that's <laughs> me. And I, I, I love Rose Creek and I think it's a, it's a fantastic golf course. Cause you get a little bit of everything again. It's, I, it reminds me it's Fargo's version kind of a, of a village green, you get some good drivable holes. There's some good challenge holes in there. You guys have done a fantastic job with the condition of the golf course has been fantastic yep. in the last couple of years. And uh, you yourself do wonders for the for the game of golf. We had um, Chris Geis on on our last show, 
um, who with the Dakota Junior, and, and you're working very closely with them. You do some great stuff. Talk about a little bit your involvement of that. You do a great job around the area. Um, you know, plans for the future, whatever it might be. How'd you get into growing the game? You know, it's obviously as we've just talked, it's always been a passion of ours, um, and and so to kind of give back and and give those same opportunities, I think, to the kids today, and even better experiences. Because like <clears throat> when you know your dad and I started growing up and playing junior golf. It wasn't like a lot of junior golf tournaments. You could play in the junior all city. Uh, they had like maybe weekly tournaments at El Zago. Do you remember going to any one of those? I think I rode my bike to one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, you know, otherwise it Crookston. was like Crookston. We exactly. road trip to Crookston. Our first road trip. Yep. Yeah. Your sister Becky took us. That was awesome. Yeah. Faustin. Yeah. I don't know if you went to Faustin with me. And so. Get beat a, by Chris Daniels by 20 shots. Right. But whatever. Yeah. And so there wasn't like a lot of competition opportunities. And, um, not that that was bad because there was a lot of probably pros to that as well. But, um, it's just been so great to see as far as just having more of those opportunities so that kids can get into the game and give those opportunities to play. And so the soda series through our section has been terrific. Um, they, they do such an amazing job. The only problem is it seems like when we get out to the, the perimeter areas, we get a little bit less opportunities compared mm-hmm. to if you were down in the Metro area. <clears throat> and when you get out into the Dakotas and it's even much, much less yet, I don't think the soda series really carries too deep into Western Dakotas, Western Dakotas to them is West Fargo. And so what they're doing there as far as growing the Dakota Junior Golf Association and having some of those events has been just terrific. And so then we started then this year, um, we wanted, we didn't know exactly as far as what areas they were going to cover with Dakota Junior Golf Association. And we wanted to try to cover a broad stroke as far as from age seven all the way up through 19. So we created our own tour this year, which is brand new called the Discover Junior Golf Tour. Uh, and Greg and I and Chris Larson and Tom Portman were kind of the masterminds behind that. First of all, I said mastermind. That's not a really good term. <laughs> <laughs> Absent minds. No. And um, so what it is, is there are going to be four different levels there as well. You've got basically a nine U program, a 12 U program, an 18 U program and a player's tour opportunity. And the player's tour, which I was particularly interested in at the time, is because for all of like our high school kids around here, I think if they ever aspire to play college golf, <clears throat> just getting some of that recognition. And so we want to try to run like a really professional event, giving exposure through whether it's the streams of social media and some other things, but then also talking to organizations like Junior Golf Scoreboard to get these recognized and ranked. And so they will be just as I think the Dakota Junior Golf Association will be. So now <clears throat> for one, like the Soda Series that has that opportunity as well, it's an invite only. So it's based off performance. So to get on there is not the easiest thing to do. And then once you get on there, a lot of those events are once again down the Twin Cities. So it's a lot of travel. So we're trying to get it a little bit more localized so these kids can kind of get into the program and eventually get up through some of those different series programs and getting into like the players tour to do that. And so there's going to be a lot of opportunities for kids to play high school or for playing junior golf competitively this year. I think that's great. And we talk a lot about it on the show and just giving these kids exposure, whether it's to the game of golf. You talk about the the nine U program, talk about the the Dakota Junior Bay here, the exposure just intro to the game. But then on the top end of it, I mean the level of talent that we have in this area, I mean, to get word out to the coaches or or inform these kids how to contact these coaches and start that, I mean, that's that's a great and I think it's it's gonna be great for the for the community and in, in the golf realm too. And Mark, you've been around it a long time and and I don't know your thoughts on on that. Yeah. More opportunities, the better. I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, they host a, uh, 
on how a how to for parents and kids on on if they do want to play some golf post high school. Uh, they run a little seminar down in the cities. I'm wondering with with all these efforts on the tours and opportunities for these kids and parents need to be the ones that oftentimes sign their kids up for these and drive them to these events and then you know parlay that experience into maybe some uh, college golf. Maybe there's room to do a, we should join forces and do a seminar here in town. I think that'd be really good. Um, you know, like I said, there's some great opportunities here as far as playing college golf at NDSU uh, for women as far as MSUM and for Concordia for boys and girls, getting those college coaches on in town, letting kids kind of listen a little bit about what is it going to take? What do I need to do? Because um, as you have went through it already, it's uh, it, it seems like it's a little difficult. I mean, to navigate those waters a little bit if you've never done it before. And so unless you're going to go on out there and kind of talk to some people that went through it, it's not the easiest process. And nowadays, I mean, if you aspire really to play like at a higher level, like Lucas did, I mean, you got to be on the ball fairly early in the game. Right. And you know, with like this discovered tour and the, and the Dakota junior golf association, these are going to be multi-day events, which is very, very important. So it doesn't seem like you can rely on like your high school experiences any longer because it doesn't seem like coaches are putting a lot of, of uh, emphasis on that. It's kind of like, what are you doing at higher levels playing multi-day events? And that's kind of a better as far as opportunity, as far as to gauge them, as far as, you know, where you're going to be at as far as in talent. And so I think having a seminar like that to kind of walk people through a little bit and kind of explore what is the, what are the things that we need to do, be doing here. That's fantastic. So I tell you what, we're, uh, we're going to take our first break here. We could go on forever. It seems like with you, Matt, Uh, there's so much to touch on. It feels like we just scratched the surface, but we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more golf with you. Um, and then we're going to finish off uh, looking forward into into this next week's event. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back. This segment brought to you by the Sweet Shots Spring Golf League. Grab a friend. Come on out. Six weeks of competition. It's a best ball. Match play against two others that night. It is a great time. No better way to get yourself prepared for this spring golf season on a real golf course by coming out here and having a little friendly competition uh, each Monday or Wednesday night. You can pick your night. Information's on our website, sweetshots.com. That's the Sweet Shots Spring Golf League. No, that, <clears throat> excuse me. That's going to be a great uh, great time. I think everyone here is kind of getting the itch, getting the itch and uh, want to get out and play and be able to see a full ball flight. Weather's going to mellow out a little bit. I think the itch is only going to get worse. Yes. So come on out, uh, grab a buddy. It's a fantastic time. It's a couple hours, get away, play some golf. Um, and it's a full ball flight. I mean, that's, that's huge. You're not hitting into a screen. You get to enjoy the nice weather a little bit. Um, so it's going to be a good time. Um, but Matt, back to you. I mean, this is, we were talking during the break, we could go forever. Um, and, uh, we wanted to kind of highlight what you do at Rose Creek as far as, you know, what, what's, what's your summer look like? Is it, you're expecting a pretty heavy summer and, you know, early, early course thoughts from you, maybe and see where you're at there. Yeah. You know what? I think there is still uh, a huge um, interest as far as obviously in the game of golf, we have not seemed to taper off and I'm expecting the summer to be a really busy summer once again. Um, you know, I've told a lot of people in the past, you know, pre COVID we've been kind of a 26 to 27,000 round golf course. And, uh, and I think you're 20, you know, not even knowing if we were going to be playing golf or not right. or what was going to happen. We quickly surged, I think, to over like 32,000 rounds. And then the following year in 21, 
we did over 36,000 rounds. So now we're already over like 10,000, what would be our average typically. And last year, even with the shortened season with the late start, I think we were still somewhere in that 32 plus as far as in rounds, 32,000 plus rounds. So, um, you know, we, we have a lot going on. You know, we, we do a, several corporate events. So we typically have like one large corporate event per week. Um, then we also host a men's club on Thursdays and then a women's night on Tuesdays. And those both have continued to grow substantially these last few years. Once again, as people are looking for, a, you know, something to do outdoors. And, um, and so I expect those to be uh, really big once again as well. Um, we filter in a few tournaments as far as both our men's club uh, activities. And then this year, we're also, we're kind of excited because we're hosting the North Dakota Golf Association, their four ball event this year, oh, which nice. is always, I really enjoy that event. Yeah. Just as you guys have that one coming up, people kind of like the team event aspect. And so I'm excited to have that. I think that's like the fourth and fifth of, no, third and fourth of June this year coming on. Okay. So we're excited to have them back in town once again. Uh, we're hosting the Maris once again, which is always kind of a fun event. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're looking forward to kind of having a really busy summer out there once again. That's that's awesome. Um, we're actually going to partner with you a little bit on the Maris. I don't know Correct. if you've heard. Yes, they I'm so excited I don't know about that. They've announced it yet or anything breaking news. But <laughs> right now they did. <laughs> well, have we're going to announce the spring. No, no, never mind. Yeah, I don't know. We, <laughs> I don't know enough of the details. I shouldn't say anything. So we're going to kind of have a supplemental offsite event for maybe not your hardcore golfers, but right. somebody that wants to support the event and come on out here and play in conjunction with what's happening at your, your place. So more information on that to come. But I had a question about, you know, this, this growth in numbers for play at Rose Creek. Um, is it those players, are, are you seeing it? Is it new golfers that are coming out or is it people that had played before that kind of re-engaged and went, you know what? I was looking for an act, something to do during COVID and it just it clicked and stuck and they stuck with it? Or is it a combination of new golfers and and ex old existing customers? I would say yes. <laughs> I think yeah. it really is. I think it's a combination. I think there is a lot of new growth and maybe that's been inspired by other friends and maybe family members, whatever else that have kind of brought them on out because we're definitely seeing some newer players, even getting some of those phone calls. I'm sure you have too, as far as newer players looking for instruction and, and some direction. Um, and then there might even be some of those individuals that maybe used to play a little bit more and then for whatever reason, they found something else to do as far as their discretionary time and monies. And all of a sudden COVID hit and maybe some of those things were not an opportunity and they found golf again. And so now hey, I'm getting back into it. And I think just people's, I think even their work schedules and stuff for at least a year or two, and probably still maybe at a certain point have allowed them maybe to have some more discretionary time. Maybe they're working yep. more from home or whatever else. Mm -hmm. And so that's maybe allowed them to play a little bit more golf. So just for a, a lot of different reasons, I think it's just, and I don't know, you know, I think just as you guys have done and we've tried to do too, just trying to create those opportunities to make, you know, both golf fun, have those opportunities to have some competition, social opportunities, networking, all those things that they're like, wow, this is really kind of a cool game to play and I should try this on out. And so I think, you know, those have all been successful and kind of keeping those numbers up there. And like I said, I, I really kind of feel excited that golf's in a really pretty good place still. And I'm hoping that, we're not seeing that downturn anytime soon. Right. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity now we have here not to kind of toot our own horn a lot, but we see a ton of new to golf people. I think it was at 70, 80% of our, our people that come through these doors at least have never played golf before. Um, and so we're, as our goal is to be a good community partner and that we're, we're kind of a, that springboard to, Hey, yeah, you're having a ton of fun here now take yourself over to Rose Creek or Osgood or village green or wherever and, and get on a golf course, experience this in real life. And then 
you know, catch that bug that way too, you know, and, and to your point, I think it's a great time for golf just with the way that it's, it's been growing. And I think it's never been more accessible to people. Right. I think it's a great avenue for well, these people. And that's where I think like with you guys and, and this new adventure with Sweet Shots has been so fantastic. Cause even going into that, people even asked me right away, like, well, boy, how's that going to affect you guys? Like I was going to really put a dent in your business. And I said, I said, I don't know how it's going to affect it, but I actually look forward to it as it being a positive because I think you're going to have those diehard golfers that are still come out here, like in the off season, they're going to want to at least practice their game, play hopefully in leagues and things like that, that they can continue to improve and kind of can, you know, fill those competitive juices as far as that, not, but it's also an entertainment venue. And so it's like those individuals that have kind of like bowling can be, yep. uh, those people have never played any golf before. You could, you know, bring your spouse or bring your partner or friend or relative or whatever on out, never played golf before, expose them to it. And who knows, maybe it might just kind of click and like, yep. doggone, this is a lot of fun. So maybe they're doing uh, sweet shots golf all winter long and maybe they want to get it outside and see what it's like out in the, on the golf course. And so it, it's just a great opportunity, like I say, to end up bringing more people into the game of golf, hopefully and yep. enjoying it. Yep. Yeah, we absolutely love it. And, and to your point, Matt, golf being in, a, in such a great place and um, some not to pivot too harshly, but some breaking news in the golf world as far as competitively. We've seen the USGA and the RNA, so the two governing rules bodies for golf, just basically suggested they put out a new, uh, I don't know if warning is the correct word, but to these manufacturers, they're going to look to roll back the, the golf ball to take some distance off this golf ball. Um, and I don't know what your guys' thought. We talked a little bit about it before the show, but essentially uh, a, a way to kind of monitor distance. We talked about we spent so long preaching the distance aspect, especially the juniors. Now it looks like they're looking to dial that back a little bit. Um, but at the pro level, you know, how does that, you guys being in the industry for 25, 26 years, you know, what have you seen the game of golf do? And what do you think that impacts, I guess, as far as the the proposed rule change? Well, I mean, they, they keep, you know, the players are getting stronger, you know, better and, and equipment uh, improvements. Um, the game continues to progress that way. And I, and I think there's a challenge um you really have governing bodies in golf played at this elite level and then the game. I mean, what they play is golf, but it's on such a different level that I think the USGA and, and those governing bodies need to be careful about uh, making rules that, that negatively affect golf in general. Because all of us, sitting, well, you're maybe the exception. Matt, you and I, we definitely benefit from having a golf ball that's not throttled back. Right. Just like probably 99% of your member or players at Rose Creek. So, and then I look at it, if you go down this road of, okay, now we really have rules for the common golfer. And then you have rules for a tour. Boy, that's, that's gets, that's a slippery slope. That gets a little messy in my opinion, Matt. I don't know what your thoughts are. Are they raising baskets with 12 feet high in basketball right. at the NBA <laughs> level? I, I, you know, I'm sure there's more to it. Um, and I haven't dove down that, rabbit hole too hard, but I, I'm not a big proponent of it. I just think that people go out to these tour events. I want to go out and watch your Dustin Johnsons, your Brooks Kepka, these guys. I want to see them hitting at 370. I want to see what that's like. I want to see the that. wow factor. It is. It yeah. is. And I think yeah. that's what a lot of people like, um, you know, and, and I don't mind seeing 
scores go low. I, I, I don't have a problem watching a tournament if it's 23, 24 under par. I don't mind watching birdies and eagles. That's entertaining. It is. Yep. And I don't need to see someone, you know, gagging all over the foot joys just to think, oh, wow, that was a great tournament. Um, on the contrary, I think it actually gets to be kind of a little bit boring. <laughs> right. And so, um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I think, and we kind of talked off air as far as Lucas, I think there's hopefully other things they could look at as far as with our, uh, with our current golf courses, how could we set these things up a little bit differently if they want to try to make it a little bit more challenging, you know, whether it's uh, how we were, you know, laying out that golf course as far as, you know, the, um, the width as far as fairways, the length of roughs, the positioning of bunkers, other obstacles, yeah. things like that, I think, to try to maybe some golf courses that they probably feel aren't as relevant or aren't as competitive any longer because of the length they're hitting it. But there's a lot of guys out there still. Tom Hoagie doesn't hit it like far on tour standards. Right. He hits it farther than me, but he's not far as far as on tour standards, and he's still pretty good. Yeah, my <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we can, we'll talk about Tom here in a little bit, but just to kind of cap things off, my deal is, you know, it's to me it's a blurred line as far as where does this – rule begin stop and end right i mean we you look at okay obviously the pga tour has got to play these golf balls right and then uh then you start to get into the elite amateur tournaments like they like they call it and you know it's like okay what constitutes an elite amateur event is our college events elite amateur events are the is the u.s mid-am an elite amateur event you know where does that begin and even in like a u.s mid-am like josh persons we had on here he can hit a golf ball Right. But there's probably some guys that go to U.S. Mid-Am that, yeah, they hit it really, really well, but not necessarily 300 yards. So now are they having to use this golf ball and, and lose instead of 280, they're hitting it 260, you know? Right. Um, where does that line begin? That's my biggest deal. And, and I guess just to recap, we kind of jumped right into it. But essentially what the USGA is doing, their testing regulations are changing right now. The rule in place is a golf ball for manufacturers when they test them cannot fly further than 300 and 317 yards, 317 yards, give or take three yards. Um, and right now their current testing conditions are at 120 mile an hour club head speed with launch conditions. Um, they're essentially, all they're doing is just changing that they're raising the club head speed from 120 to 127 or 125 and some launch conditions. And so these current golf balls now fly further than 317 yards. Now the rule if accepted is going off to be accepted by the tours and such won't take place until 2026. So there is still some time we're early on it, but you know, I think we're all in agreement here where it takes away a little bit of that, that awe value, that entertainment value. Um, and then it just raises to me, raises more questions than answers as far as, okay, does this actually make our game better, more playable at the highest level? Um, I'm in the camp where you can adjust. I'd, I'd rather adjust golf courses. And, and did they kind of, and I and I didn't I didn't read all of it today. But are, what is the biggest uh, movement behind this? Is it is it are they worried about as far as the uh, the venues? As far as the you know, well, this this golf course is no longer. That's my takeaway from it. You know, you get some of these historic golf courses where you, know, you get pros on them. And, you know, the, their lines change from what, you know, how did the architect intend this golf course to be played? Um, I think there's some merit to that. But again, I think there's other changes you can make to not have equipment where guys now it's penalizing to hit a driver up there instead of, you know, you can make them play the golf hole in a way that doesn't. I have a way to do that. And no, I've never seen a setup this way. 
I don't know if Tom Dolby and I have talked about this, have the rough progressively longer from T to green. They always go from fairway out away from the fairway, right? So you have your fairway, you have your first cut, and then you're, well, what if at 150, it's three inches, but as you move closer to the green, it's literally, it gets to be a foot at 330 yards, 320 yards. That rough is super deep. That would be interesting. But at 250, you might have inch and a half rough. Yeah. Wouldn't that equalize things up? So now you mow that thing from T to green instead of fairway to trees. Have you ever heard of it? We might have to get your dad on the competition committee of the USGA. I like that. Huh? No, I've been, we've talked about that. I've, I've, I'm behind that. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I, I think it would, it would make a guy make a decision because right now Scotty Scheffler and I mean, he just pulled driver out and just ripped it. And if you're on, great. You hit the fairway, but add a little more risk reward. And then the person that is going to lay back with the, with the hybrid, you know, if you can get it in the fairway, or even if you do spray in the rough, it's not as, not as penalizing, penalizing, just an idea. I, I'm, uh, there has to be a limit on the ball somewhere, right? I mean, we can't tee up super balls that just go And but what's wrong with where we're at right now? I think, you know, you look at it and we have, we have invested so much um, money and, and time into finding ways that we can hit the current ball further. I mean, with all the technology now that we can measure, you know, you guys obviously do a great job of down in your teaching area down there. You've got all this equipment that you can do all of these um, uh, measurements to find out, you know, what is going to be best for that individual to maximize that. And people have been, you know, training that even their bodies through different programs they've run through to be able to maximize speed once again. So, I mean, a lot, obviously, as far as the technology of golf ball has definitely made a huge difference, but I think just, you know, the, the, the technology that's available now, I think has also been huge and the training that we've been able to do to, to get us to that point's too been huge. I don't know. I, I also worry about the manufacturers who right. also invested yeah. all this time and money into getting a golf ball is performing to what it is. And now they've got to go back and <laughs> redo that to well they'd have to redo it and it's not going to be a ball the general consumer is going to want to right. buy because it's why doesn't would, go as far why would you penalize right. yourself right? right on your on your thursday night men's league right yeah. it's it's interesting it's something to watch um it's been talked about for a long time and, and to actually have it here now it's a little like hmm, i'm not sure that that's where we want to go but um mark you touched on it scotty scheffler absolutely Ran away with the players this week. It was a great tournament. I don't imagine you yeah. watch a lot of that. Was, yes. Yep. I was kind of glued to it as during our big blizzard. Yeah. Well, that that helped, right? I I, I was kind of thinking to myself, it's it's like a it's like a practice round for us consumers for the masters, right? Mm-hmm. You get the extra, you get the bonus coverage, you get the features holes, you get an elevated field, and we happen to have a snowstorm. So it's like, we're glued to the TV watching this stuff. And, and it's, it's like prep for the masters. Cause you get, uh, you watch a lot of golf. Um, and it was fantastic golf. I think one of the biggest storylines and we might be a little biased, but Tom Hoagie, we kind of touched on it. Um, basically, I mean, not basically he made the cut on the number. He had flights planned. He had everything going for him. They suspended play due to darkness, came back and the cut line moved to two over par. And, Here's Tom sitting at two over par after a tough day. He bounced back on the second day. And then it, when all said and done, here's a guy who took home $1.4 million, tied for third. Incredible. Plus a course record. I yeah. mean, this guy is just, 
he can play with the best of them, and it's not. I mean, it's not up for debate. That guy is something special. I was concerned. You know, you you just came off of the Palmer, and I think he was six over in his last four holes played. Yes, yeah. misses the cut yeah. then by a shot, and then we come out opening day, and he fires a seventy eight. Yeah. And I was like, oh, boy, is this where right? Tom's little dip <laughs> comes right. into play? You know, we're going to go on a three or four uh, miscut deal. Yeah. And, you know, because last year, you know, had an amazing start and then kind of went a little slow for a while yep. and then kind of picked it back up once again. And so that was absolutely crazy. What was it, tied for 133rd after Thursday night, I think, yeah. or something I mean, like that? Well, and then you talk about his first round, his finishing stretch, his finishing nine holes, he had one par. Right. And like three doubles. So it's like he was not playing good golf that first round. Right. I mean, there's no – you can't hide it. Second round was better, obviously. Yeah. Fortunate to make the cut. Um, and then I saw a deal where uh, Golf Channel, their golf talk show, whatever it is in the more golf morning, whatever, um, they said biggest money moves at the players because this was the biggest purse in, in PGA history. And um, they didn't focus on Tom's rise to greatness from – the cut, which I think is $43,000 to type for third to take home for $1.4 million. Yeah. So they didn't focus on that. Tom made bogey on his last hole and the par putt cost him $250,000. So yes, that's a lot of money to miss on one putt, but guys, he made, he made $1.4 million right. after booking flights home. I mean, yeah. focus on that, right? I mean, that's unbelievable. You know, it's amazing. So 48 hours later, he goes from 78 to course record 62 yeah, on that golf course. I think of that golf course, you know, I was talking to my son Drew a little bit about this because Drew in 2021 volunteered down there during the tournament for a week. And oh, so he's down on the grounds crew. And so he was talking about that. And you had mentioned, you know, kind of it's like a master's practice round almost. And he was saying like a lot of the buzz down there was the conditions at TPC of Sawgrass for some of the people that were on maintenance staff that had worked at both places. They say it rivals as far as condition wise. That's mm. how good sawgrass wow. is. And he talks about how narrow some of those fairways are. I mean, he compares it to like number three at Rose Creek. Um, yeah. And so I'm thinking like, wow, just like we talked about, like, what do we need to do to, <laughs> to make these courses more difficult? That's pretty doggone difficult golf right. course. You go 78, right. 62. It's like, woo. Well, and my deal is <laughs> I'm almost glad we didn't have a DraftKings line up for our show and we we took a break last week and unfortunately we i think we might have got a little lazy but uh i'm glad that that tournament to me seems like so difficult to bet on because yeah. like what you're saying the conditions at this golf course who knows yeah who knows i mean there's some big name rory missed the cut you know and he was a favorite going into that best driver of the golf ball i was he missed the cut i yeah. was worried about tom's opportunity to make the cut when we had the weather move in Friday evening mm -hmm. and he had completed his round and there's a lot of guys still on the golf course and a lot of guys that were underneath the, 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 the one over Mark or, you know, the cut yep. line. And so knowing that this golf course was going to change drastically because I think it was like 73, gosh, I wrote it down. I think it was like 73.8, 73.8, I think was Friday's average yep. scoring average. And Saturday it dropped, you know, sixty nine point eight. I think record it setting. was. I mean, you could you could tell. You could. I mean, there was seventeen's uh, the one that pops to mind because uh, they had that back pin, and the golf course completely changed. Friday you couldn't land that ball halfway on the green. Right. You just couldn't. You're going to hit it over the green. 
Saturday, you can throw a dart back there and it one hop stops, you know, and these guys are hitting wedges. So they're, I mean, that's a shot they love to have. Um, well, you give them a soft golf course. They're, they're gonna, that good. They're going to tear it up. They're just that good. Yeah. You see that the open each year. I mean, right. if, 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 if Fargo CC softens up all of a sudden, it's just forget well, about it. But you get things firm and fast. Now all bets are off. Yeah. Chipping even becomes tough. Right. So, well, and that's where I, I love that golf course. And, and, and I think visually it's cool. Pete died, killed it. I mean, that's such a beautiful golf course. It's, it's subtle in many ways. My favorite are the, the pot bunkers that are no bigger than the three of us sitting together. You know, it's like, yeah. you can hardly get two feet in a bunker. It's like, why is that there? And then all of a sudden someone ends up in it. It's like, that's why that's there. You know, yeah. it's reminiscent of, of old school golf where, you know, if St. Andrew's playing downwind, you're like, what the heck's that bunker doing there? All of a sudden, the wind flips on you, and you're like, oh, gosh, that bunker's in play. Yeah. Love it from a visual standpoint, too. But, okay, Tom's the story, fantastic yeah. story about Tom. I I can't – I'm just blown away by Scheffler, though. That That's an unbelievable field. And what do you win by? Five? Five, yeah. Like, that's and – and then you look at the run he's been on. I, I think if you look between he and Rom, the last whatever starts they've both had – I mean, they either one of them, if they were a team, I think their worst finish is like T seven. Yeah, as a team. I mean, this is a hot run, There's, and this started last year for him at Phoenix. Yep, there just doesn't seem to be any weaknesses in his game. Well, he and that's just it. So he, he they talked a little bit about it on Golf Channel on how he he has both shots. He can hit a fade. He can hit a drop. But to me, I, his ball doesn't move. It doesn't curve right, and so he's able to. Aim, aim conservatively, but play aggressively, right? And you need that around courses like a TPC. Um, How about his move, Matt? Would you ever teach a young kid that move? It's it's very unorthodox. Definitely so. <laughs> Certainly, if I was his instructor, would not touch it. <laughs> 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 it, uh, it it is incredible as far as. Uh, is how he does strike it. It's and that's I guess that's my question for you guys as as longtime PGA pros, teaching professionals. If a kid comes in, I mean, he's he's clearly has talent, right? I imagine Scheffler had talent through college, but he's not hitting the ball well, and he comes to you. You said you wouldn't touch something like that with his footwork, but you know, is it it's something? Is it something you'd mention, or if a kid's striking it well, what what do you gravitate towards? Is it something like that where you're like, ooh, I got to fix that, or is it, hey, let's look at something else? Well, I think there. in the past, I think uh, I know. It's cool as far as when you, as far as an instructor, I think you continue to grow over your years. The more mm -hmm. the more you see, and the more you find out cause and effect. And you know, I've I've been guilty sometimes of just making a change because it just did not look right. Right. And yeah. finally, you find out you go, it doesn't have to look right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Correct. What looks right is what's going on up here. You know, what's going on in the sky, and so that's the biggest thing. And so I think, um, you know, I think obviously the the people have been in in uh, Scotty's camp of course understand that. And there's not going to be probably a whole lot of change you're going to see on that. And I don't think he seems to be like, you know, like Tiger Woods, obviously, had went through it, what, multiple swing changes, probably three or four. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't think you're going to see that in Scotty. No. No, and I think, you know, to that question, um, ultimately, you want to work as an instructor. You want to find out what makes that person tick. When you're playing your best golf as a golfer, what are you doing right? And you reinforce that to make changes to make changes or because it doesn't look right. I mean, ball flights, the, the true, yeah. the true King. So I, th I think as an, 
instructor and uh, Matt, you and I, obviously we started at the same time. You learn as an instructor, as you go, I've learned to probably change less than I did early on with people, you mm-hmm. know, just to try and get them into this box. And there are certainly instructors out there, nationally known instructors that are probably would take a, a student and, and get them to be that cookie cutter golf swing. Correct. Sure. I mean, um, it doesn't have to be in golf. That's golf can have its fingerprint on, on a golf swing. Uh, fingerprints could look different and it's based on your physical makeup. I mean, he's a tall, lanky guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to swing it different than me at five foot, nothing, um, and make it work. But his arc, I mean, his hands are high. Yeah. Um, that ball flight must just be towering. Mm-hmm. He generates speed. He's got speed to burn. I mean, forget about the, forget about the footwork. Um, and then you get a hot putter and it seems like right now when he puts his ball just wants to fall in the hole. There are a couple like lip ins that I yes. think if anyone else hits that putt, that's a lip out for whatever reason, you know, they show the slow-mo replay getting in the hole and you go, that ball goes in the hole from there. Oh, well, it reminds me when, uh, uh, oh, Texan won everything. Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth. When he was hot from, I thought the stat was from. 20 feet, 25 oh, nuts. Feet. It was, everything was going in for he, him. He made like a quarter of his 20 footers. Yeah. Which, you know, it's, it's unheard of. Tour, tour percent from eight feet is 50%. Right. Well, tour, tour average from 10 feet is 27%, I think. And he had a stretch that year where he was winning where it, I thought he was over 20% on 20 footers. It's like, that doesn't happen. You know, that's odd. So, but Scheffler, it, you watch good putters and I, I always play with Tom Dolby, the, the guy, every time he hits a putt, it looks like it's going to go in the hole. That's where Scheffler's at right now. Yeah. Just wants to grab the hole. He's certainly one to watch and he makes the game fun to watch too. And there's talk, you know, he did win by five or six, five. Um, but it was still entertaining golf to watch, right? I mean, sometimes you sit there and you go, golly, I wish this was closer. But with, with him, it seems like, okay, no, you can watch it because he's fun yeah. to watch. Hadn't put some pressure on him. He got in he the did. clubhouse yep. at 12 under. Hatton tied a good player, 29. Mr. Booth, he's been a guest on the show. Yes. 29 on the back nine at, at the Sawgrass. players. Yeah. Yeah, in the wind, in competition. In the final round. He birdies his last five, I think. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's just uh, that's just stupid good. And yeah, it was it was fun to watch. It's gotta be and and he probably even knew too. It's like if there's anybody else, probably thinking I got a chance. But Scheffler's even just his whole, the way he kind of goes about it and his temperament and just yeah. seems like his whole mindset, he just seems yeah. like he's kind of even keel and just yep. handles that situation. A so regular well. guy. He's yeah. a regular guy. He's I got a, a text, guy. a text from my cousin lives in Dallas in the middle of the tournament, random, random fact he texted and he said, uh, Scheffler and I share the same barber. <laughs> nice. <laughs> of all Ran- things. There yeah. you go. He random fact. Barber. Bob Knudsen texted me. I share the same barber and the barber, Ivan uh, said Scotty didn't have furniture in his house until he won his first event. Wow. Fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> very humble. Very humble guy. That's awesome. Or practical. That's a good fact right there. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's wrap this up quick. I don't know, Matt, if you're into the DFS side of things, the the golf betting side of things, but Mark, you have your team, Mark? I, I do have my team for this okay. next week, but I, I do want to highlight, I had a okay. team score 512 points last week. That would be Off the there. highest point total for sure yeah. on this show. Conveniently, the last two weeks, we haven't kept track, and I've crushed it the last two weeks. You're hot. You're going in this week I am 512 
That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. I wrote Ter- Terrell Hatton. Anyways, I, I'm on a roll and nobody knows it. <laughs> That's awesome, Mark. You're Thanks, a, Matt. You're a killer. <laughs> I'm killing it. <laughs> nobody knows it. Nobody knows. All right. Well, uh, since you're point man of the week here, we'll we'll dive right in. So we're we're uh the Valspar Championship this week. You're playing at Innisbrook, the Copperhead course. So they've got uh the the snake pit is what they call the finishing three holes. Difficult track at seventy four hundred yards or so, um, but five par threes. So there's an emphasis on par three scoring, which doesn't happen very often. It's not necessarily a bomber's course because it's tight, tree lined. Um it it does kind of remind me a little bit of the TPC um but it's there's a lot of uh, undulation and elevation, which is unique for a Florida-style golf course. Um, and there's some Bermuda grass in there as well as, as some some POA overseed. So you got a little bit of POA action jumping in as well. Um, but definitely looking at I'm, – I'm trying to jump into Chuck's role here as far as the stats. But yes. you're, you're looking at strokes gained approach. So they got to be good on the irons. Um, proximity outside of 175 yards because it is a longer golf course. You can't really hit driver everywhere. Um, and then you got strokes game putting and, like I said, par three scoring. So a lot of more approach orientated focus for, for guys that are jumping into models and trying to figure things out that way. Uh, as far as strength of the field goals goes, it's, it's kind of middle of the road. You're sandwiched right. between some, some elevated events. So I think your top guy is going to be Justin Thomas is in there this week. Jordan Spieth's in there. Um, and Matt Fitzpatrick, I think, rounds out the, the top tier guys in that 10,000. So um, some interesting names to keep an eye on, but also, you know, kind of a middle field here that's reminiscent of the Honda. I think we could see some interesting storylines take over for this week. So with that, Mark, jump right in. You know, who do you got? I get who, to go first. Yeah, if you're, you're point man of the week so well here's when i did my team this week and i am on a roll i went i'm going with the hot hand i'm i looked at course results last year and it's like yeah this this event seems to be a little unpredictable from year to year so i went with hot hand and the first person i drafted was uh suh is it john johnny i think so yeah rookie played for usc i think Mm. kids on fire he is on fire. He has, he's made uh, 11 of 15 cuts, two top tens, but he's really impactful. Uh, rookie. I got Spieth. I think he is trending. I like that pick actually. He's not on my team, but I do, <clears throat> I do like it. I think he's finding it again. Yeah. He, he is trending for sure. Um, been on that guy. I like it. He's been like on that one too. <laughs> he, he's been on. He's coming. Good value at 7,900. Yeah. Uh, Joel Damon. You're a Joel Damon guy now. Yeah, I, I like him after watching the full swing. Have mm-hmm. you seen that? I have. Yeah. yeah, it's like somebody's got to be the 70th ranked player in the world. I, <laughs> I really, I dig the guy, 7,500. Yeah, uh, good value. Good there. value. Yep. Um, I rounded my team out with uh, Lashley. I Nick, like it. Yep. And uh, Nate. Gordon. Nate, Nate Lashley. Yep. And is it W. Will Gordon? Yep. Yeah. Value picks at 75, 7,600. So this is a cut-making machine. I had teams last week, all five of my guys have been making cuts the last two weeks, and we've talked about it. That's the key. That's key. You gotta yep. find you gotta find teams that are gonna make the cut for you. Otherwise, Sunday ends up you just back up and you and you can't get you can't make any money. Yep. We're not betting large amounts of money, Matt. <laughs> dimes and quarters. <laughs> but for those that are out there, yep. um, 
you know, we, we, we do this and there are a lot of analytics. Chuck's more of an analytical guy. I'm kind of hot hand course trend guy and you'll play both, both sides of it. Um, but it sure by playing this, it sure does add a lot of fun to watch it gives you something the to tour root, on the weekend. To root for, and, and that's yeah. kind of why I enjoy it a lot. Um, so my team, I like I like where you're going there. I think Spee's a great pick. I, I might throw another team together with him on there because I, I am high on him. I'm, I'm not sold on Justin Thomas. Tough week last week. I just think uh, he's streaky, and I hope he plays well. But I, I'm not bit bought in. With that said, I went with Matt Fitzpatrick. I think yeah. he's a good dude. Not necessarily a bomber, but you don't need to be a bomber. I think he catches a hot putter. He's going to be good this week. Um, then I went with uh, Wyndham Clark. He's a good iron player. He's yes. a very strong iron player, which I'm leaning heavily. A lot of these guys are good iron players. They fit kind of this model that I was looking at as far as um, par three scoring and iron players. And Tom's so, not playing this week? Tom is not. He's yeah. off this week. So Wyndham Clark, and then I went with, uh, I think it's Ben Griffin. Ben Griffin's, I think, he's hot. He's played really well recently. He had a great players, um, and he's a great iron player. I think that's why he played well at, at TPC. So uh, Ben Griffin in there. Aaron Rye, who had uh, he had one of the aces on the seventeenth hole. Yes, at DPC, I think he's going to have a great. We've had him week. on some teams. Yeah, I good think golf he's swing. Good, great golf swing. He's yeah. a, he's a ball striker. So I've got him on my team. Then I went with Pearson Cootie, who uh, yeah. PJ Tour. I don't know if rookie. He's Corn Ferry member. He got into this one as well. But both he's made the made the cut in both PJ Tour events he played, and he makes a lot of birdies. Um, so I'm. Kind of a wild car there, but I like that one. And then I went with uh, Matthew Neesmith to round it out, yeah. um, who's kind of semi-model uh, favorite as far as irons go. But what was his value? 72. Yeah, that's good value. So I, I went pretty middle of the road. Matt Fitzpatrick allowed that because he's only 10, so I didn't get too crazy. Well, that's what I thought about the, this this field. Yeah. It's easy to do kind of a middle of the road yes. uh, value picks. You're not top loading. There's not, right. Yeah. There's not a lot of decisions to make on that, on that top end, which yeah. is fine. Oh yeah. Which is fine. For sure. Who is defending champion? Uh, Sam Burns, which Sam Burns. neither yes. of us even talked about. He's going for the rare three-peat. He's back-to-back champion. Yeah. He's not I, on either of your teams. I will do another team where I'll, I'll slip Sam, Sam in there. We didn't even talk about it. Yeah. He's won here twice in a row. Wow. Yeah. And he didn't make the team. Yeah, when does this go final? Because can I change a player? You, I think yeah, I, you could. I think yeah. I might. I yeah, that's a good point. Cookie, yeah, possible Great. Sam Burns from from Mark over there. So Cookie, what do you do? You have any favorites going on? Sam the week? Burns, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I Why haven't looked Sam? at the field. I knew it was going to be down a little bit. I knew Tom wasn't playing in it. Uh, but I I I agree. I like I I've always been a Spieth guy. I yeah. enjoy watching him. I always root for him. I I, I get a kick out of him. Um, and Sam Burns has been phenomenal. I didn't realize he'd won it back to back years. Yeah, so. yeah. This will be a good. This will be a great week uh, to watch some golf. Again, we kind of got a small taste of what it's like for the Masters here. I think we're all getting the itch. So, um, hope to hope to see you guys all out here. Uh, thanks again for lit, Mark. I know you got the scoreboard pulled up real quick here. North Dakota State's down in uh, Arizona, Grand Canyon University. They played real well the last two last two rounds. Yesterday was the first day of thirty six holes. Where are they standing right now? They are four back of uh, TCU, number 29th ranked team in the nation. 29th ranked team in the nation, TCU, Texas Christian University. A couple of local guys have played there. Uh, Tom Hoagie. David, Tom Hoagie, David Schultz, Andy Doden. Uh, great, great golf program down there. And SU's only four back uh, through nine holes. Today. So a lot of golf left to be played. So, uh, you know, this is going to come out after the fact. We're rooting for them. 
hope they hope they pull out the best there. Um, but that's going to do it for here for us here uh, today. Sweet shot. So Matt, thanks so much for coming in. Yes, and uh, talking with us a little bit. This has been awesome, and we'll have to have you back on again. Thanks for inviting me. This is a fantastic opportunity. I always I, I enjoy listening to you guys. You do a great job out here. Thank you. Appreciate uh, it. If anybody's listening, you haven't been out to Sweet Shots, you got to get out here. It's great food. Uh, the experience is awesome. There's, you got so many different things going on here. I just can't believe it. Between putt view downstairs, you want to work on your short game, you want to hit balls indoors and simulator, or you want to take the real experience outdoors, it's just got everything. So I know we had a ton of fun last night, so I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. That's going to do it for us here uh, this week. So uh, good luck out there, and we'll catch you next time.